Welcome to Storytimes with Sluts with me, Charlie, your luscious intergalactic host for this episode. So for today, I thought I would speak to my complex relationship with dancing, um, both the joy and the anxiety that it brings me, which we probably all have some experience with, but I know I have dealt with this a lot and it has been a challenge. And I thought for today's episode, I would share kind of my story, where my anxiety started and how it's progressed through my life and through dance and where I am now, how I'm dealing with it and the issues I still face all the time. I'm Charlie, and this is The Babes of Valhalla. Content may not be suitable if you are underaged, closed-minded, or immature. We discuss topics that are graphic and sexual in nature. As we wait for local clubs to eventually reopen, I've been reflecting a lot on my own feelings towards the club and the journey I've taken emotionally from even deciding to join to where I am now. And I just thought I would share it and maybe even add some updates as I continue to work through (laughs) my own issues and anxieties because anxiety is a complex thing and there's usually not just an easy solution it is always a process and i thought i would share my process with you so i've always struggled with anxiety um starting back in elementary school is when it really started to hit me hard uh, we had moved to from a different state to the state that we were living in in elementary school and that I stayed in for the rest of my school years. And I don't know if it was moving to a new environment that really kicked it off, but uh, I, I started developing anxiety around uh, maybe second, third grade, but I would definitely say it was puberty or the imminent threat of puberty (laughs) that exacerbated it. I was completely happy not identifying as a girl. I was completely happy just identifying as a kid and I didn't want to have to start worrying about dressing like a girl or acting like a girl. There was all these other kids my age who started to hit puberty and they started having their period or wearing bras and they were talking about, you know, boys they had a crush on in their class and I didn't want to be a part of any of it. Also knowing that my body was shifting and changing in preparation to to change even more and to make the beginnings of of my transition from childhood into teen years into adulthood and I 
hated that. In junior high is when it really started to set in at its worst. I wore hoodies every day. I wanted to disappear. I didn't want anyone to look at me. I didn't wear makeup. Absolutely didn't wear makeup. (laughs) Didn't do my hair. Didn't wear skirts or dresses or anything that would show off my body. I loved guys as friends and I wanted men as friends, um, but I did not want them to view me as a girl. I just wanted them to view me as one of the guys. And anytime there was any sort of comment that even tipped into that zone of attraction, I was out. I was so out. I would just shut down completely. I didn't see this too much in junior high, but once I hit high school, I started to get it a little bit more, and that was way more than I wanted. Outside of sexual interaction, my like social anxiety in general just started getting really bad. If I was called on in the classroom to read out loud, I have dyslexia, which... If you ever hear me in the podcast, I try to edit it out most of the time, but if I'm ever stumbling over my words or have a hard time getting things out, I have a, I have a really hard time reading, so anytime we have notes or sometimes just getting it from my brain and out my mouth in the right order can be really complicated. And so reading out loud was horrifying. Answering math questions, like anything that drew attention to me was really scary but especially reading out loud because I already knew how bad I was at reading out loud. I had a hard time just reading so reading out loud was really scary and then on top of having to read out loud everyone was going to be looking at me. Everyone was going to be focusing in on me and there was quite a few instances where I stopped breathing and I would just have to run out of the classroom and try to get myself to calm down, recenter myself. Either I'd start coughing because I wasn't breathing or I was like breathing too heavily, which was also terrible because then people are looking at you even more because you're running out of the classroom and you're like the weirdo kid in school who uh, hides in a hoodie and runs out of the classroom whenever they read from Huckleberry Finn. (laughs) But that was me. (laughs) Yeah, then high school hit... And the attention, not that there was a lot, but any sort of attention was a lot to me. And there was a couple times when guys that were my friends would end up putting little notes asking me one-on-one to a movie or would you go out with me? And they'd put it in my locker. And um, I I would go into a straight panic attack. I would end up walking in circles for like... 30, 40 minutes just in the hallways or in the bathroom, just like processing the fear. And what the fear was, was that I was going to go to the movie or go on a date and they were going to want something and I wouldn't A, know what to do or how to do it, or B, I I wouldn't want to do anything at all and I'd be too freaked out to like tell them to stop or tell them no. Something would happen that I didn't want to happen and I knew I was too timid and anxious and at that point would just shut down instead of speaking up for myself. 
One of the big things that started to change this for me is I started dancing. And even though I had a lot of social anxiety, I would challenge myself to do things that were outside of my comfort zone. At one point in high school, I joined a sports team and I don't like sports and I don't like teams, but I did it anyway because I just wanted to challenge myself to do it. And I had some friends who said like, oh, you would never do that. I could never see you do that. There's no way. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go do it. And I'm going to stay with them the whole season. I'm going to go practice every day. I'm not going to like it, but it's not about that. It's about me challenging myself. And I had really always been interested in dance. And I ended up joining a dance team, an after-school dance team, which is where I met my dearly beloved Darby. And um, we actually didn't talk for the first couple of years I was in the dance team. I was too timid. She actually called me by the wrong name for... I think like two years before I corrected her (laughs) because I was just happy to be there and to challenge myself and to take it one day at a time and to just make myself go to each practice and that was enough and whether she called me the wrong name or not like didn't really change anything for me. I was part of a group and I was trying something new and I could at that point even staying quiet and never speaking it was still so out of my comfort zone just to show up I felt good so I didn't have to talk being in a group consistently for that long really started to change my relationship to my body starting to accept my body for the way it was and and I feel I feel like that event me joining the dance team actually made a huge impact in me later becoming a stripper because a it introduced me to dance and just my interactions and groups in general and b it was the first thing to really jar me out of that body anxiety fast forward a couple years i graduate trying really hard to go to college i'm struggling a lot my parents were both hit really heavily by the recession in 2008 and I was kind of on my own. I was living with my boyfriend at the time who I did not particularly like. And I was living in this basement apartment, studio apartment. There was no walls and it had concrete floor. And it was one of those spaces where it didn't matter how many times I cleaned it, it always felt dirty. So I was living in this place. I was very poor. I had no support, financial support, and I was just really, really depressed. And just getting to school every day was difficult for me. Getting out of the house early in the morning was difficult for me mentally to do it was was difficult. And then after school, I would go to work, and then after work, I would come home and I would sit on the bed because that was the only place to sit, and I'd do my schoolwork until, you know, early in the morning then go to sleep and do the whole thing over again I was just miserable and on top of all of that only a few semesters went by before I hit an even larger roadblock um there was some mismanagement with the filing of my financial aid paperwork and 
they hadn't filed some papers and I didn't get my financial aid that semester, but I had already taken my classes. And on top of that, I had had my identity stolen. And so I was not able, because my credit was really bad because of the stolen identity, I wasn't able to take out any loans and my family couldn't help me. So I was stuck with a pile of school bills and they wouldn't let me go back to school until I'd paid them all off. I was kind of shattered, dropped out of school, and just decided that I was going to work really hard, I was going to pay off all my school bills, and then I could start over in a better mindset and, and, and refigure out how to do school. Trying to get to a place where I could feel like I was finally moving forward in life. Right now, I felt like I was just repairing all of the past and now I needed to move forward. There was all these goals, all these things other people I knew were doing. And here I was, dropped out of school, paying off bills, working multiple jobs, feeling totally left behind, and just having a really hard time coping with all of it. And I know that a lot of people go through this or go through a lot worse, but when you're in a, a smaller community and all you see is everybody else, you know, quote, unquote, being successful in life, it, it's hard to stay positive. Um, and I know that, that my situation is definitely not the worst situation, but for me at the time, I, I was really, really struggling with it. Eventually, I broke up with the guy, which was really good, and me and my best friend Darby ended up moving in together. And I was, I was still working a lot, multiple jobs, trying to build up a savings account, trying to pay off all of my school bills. This is when Darby suggested that we start working in the clubs. And considering the kind of person that I had been, the kind of person who had just challenged myself to be in groups and to just uh, show up in those environments, the idea of being a sex symbol and being so confident and so outgoing seemed almost impossible. And I kind of laughed at her at first and I was like, yeah, right. You, on the other hand, you've got this. She was super confident. She's super sexy. She's a leader. You know, she, she, I could definitely see her doing it. I, on the other hand, could not see me doing it ever. Like, who is going to pay for this awkward body to wiggle on them? I decided to be a cocktail waitress at the club, which already felt like quite a stretch for me. To do in general. I went with her and with Scarlett. If you haven't listened to our episode, we actually interviewed Scarlett in our episode, Scarlett Space Babe, who is our other um, friend who ended up dancing at the same time. We all went and started working at the club. I cocktailed for about a month. And I watched her on stage and I watched Scarlett on stage and I paid really close attention to the customers and to the interactions with the dancers. And I finally said, I think I can do this. I think I can try this. <laughs> Honestly, I don't really know what 
what the tipping point was. She was making like three to four to five times as much as I was making, which was a factor. I I quickly saw the potential in dancing and what I could do for my student loans and for getting a car and for getting back into school and, and all the possibilities it held. But I think it was something more than just the money. I think watching her dance made me want to challenge myself, made me want to push that extra that extra mile. You know, I was already there. What was the harm in trying? And I, I told myself, if I hated it, I could go back to cocktailing. Going into it, I was worried about dancing on stage. I was worried about flirting with customers. I was worried about lap dances. And actually, none of these things ended up being the problem. Um, I feel like my experience dancing on stage, as soon as I was up there, I was super comfortable. It was really fun. I definitely can't do all the tricks and fancy moves that other people could do. But I, I was really comfortable just going for it on stage and living in whatever capabilities I had and just totally owning that. And then flirting with customers ended up being so much fun. Like I loved interacting with these people and learning about these people and uh, finding all the interesting, strange nuances with every single customer, tidbits and juicy pieces. And I think Darby talked about that in a previous episode and that's something that we both share it's just this fascination with people and their lives and collecting these stories as a dancer people expose you to this more intimate side of their self and I loved that and I actually kind of I don't know if I would call it get it got addicted to it but I really like thrived off of this intimacy that I was achieving with my customers which led straight into lap dances and I loved doing lap dances. Lap dances are maybe my favorite part about dancing. I loved the intimacy, the playfulness. It's it's a it's such a fun thing to do for me. What ended up being the issue was just really the initial approach. Um just walking up, confidently introducing myself, and just being like, you want this, you want to pay for this, you want to spend time and money on this. And that was it. And the anxiety of that was so overwhelming. And at the time, I thought I was the only one who had this anxiety because I watched all the other girls in the club and they looked so confident. I would go talk to somebody and they turned me down and five seconds later, I'd see them walking into a room with another girl. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? I'd look around the room and if a guy like glanced at me and then glanced away or wouldn't meet my eye contact or didn't look like my type or was intimidating for some reason and I felt like I could always come up with a thousand reasons why they were intimidating, I wouldn't go talk to them. And this just cost me a lot of money. <laughs> at that point, I thought, if I can identify my customers, then I don't have to worry 
about rejection and I don't have to worry about trying to approach all these people who aren't interested in me. You know, I know what my body type is. I know what my look is. And they don't look like the kind of person who'd be into that. They look like somebody who wants somebody who's blonde or, you know, skinnier or has bigger boobs or, you know, talks a certain way or acts a certain way. And I'm not that. If I can just identify my customer base, then I can cut that problem in half and I can work with my anxiety. Well... (laughs) That didn't work. That never works. And that was my biggest mistake in the beginning was trying to just find my customer base. And I, I, that has been the biggest source of my anxiety is building up the courage to just go talk to everyone. I wish there was just one thing I could say that was like a successful line, but that's not how it works. Once I get in the habit of doubting myself or stopping myself or kind of lingering, there's that moment when you first see somebody and they see you. And if you just look away, you've already like broken the tension. You've already lingered too long. And then it's going to seem awkward for them or awkward for you. It's Or at least harder to build up that momentum versus if you see someone and you just go right to them or if they see you you just go right up to them whether they say yes or not and it took me a long time to learn that and I'm still learning that the thing that helped me a lot was starting to look online and realize a lot of other people had the exact same anxieties that I had it wasn't just me and that a lot of people deal with this issue of talking to customers and and especially thinking like oh they're not gonna like me or they don't want me to ask them to spend their money well as hard as it can be sometimes to think about it this way for me at least is they're in a strip club they know the expectations and if they're annoyed that's their fault if you go once again, here's my analogy. If you will go to a fancy cocktail bar and you ask for a drink and the drink is a lot of money, you don't tell the cocktail waitress or you don't tell the bartender, oh, that's too much money. You went fancy cocktail bar. You're buying a fancy cocktail. That's how much it is. If you don't want to spend that much money on a cocktail, don't go to the bar. And For me, from my perspective, sometimes it's hard for me to realize that. I would often give the customers an out. Oh, I understand it's so much money. Like, oh, we don't have to go any longer. I know you've already spent a lot. That is the worst thing I could do because they're already there. They're already enjoying themselves. You're supposed to work with that. You're supposed to provide. And upselling is is not my forte. And especially when you're, I'm trying to upsell my own services, which I'm doubting in the moment. In my own life, I've tried to come up with some methods to help with my anxiety. Um, my first thing is I get ready at home. 
as much as I can. I think creating a calm space really helps me, really helps put me at ease. It's much harder if I'm at the club getting ready with everybody else. I, I just, I can't find that zen that I do at home. Putting on some nice music, curling your hair, putting on your eyelashes, putting your extensions and whatever you do in a very relaxing environment seems to really help me. And then driving to the club, same thing. I put on really calm music or I put on motivational speaking or I put on something that makes me feel good about myself, puts me into a really positive mindset. And then when you get to the club, you can just walk right in, your stuff in the back, and you're ready to go. Once at the club, I like setting goals because for me, being anxious and dealing with social anxiety, sometimes I do need to take breaks. Sometimes I do need to go in the back and just calm down or reset, drink some water, you know, chill out for a moment. So I like to set a lot of goals for myself. Okay, this is how many people I need to talk to. Or I'm going to go around and talk to every single person in the bar before I take a break. Or I'm going to talk to this, this many people before I go on stage. And by setting all these little goals, you're making sure that your time is being spent wisely. In a club, I feel like time is almost like a casino where it can kind of be really fluid. Sometimes... 10 minutes feels like two hours, sometimes two hours feels like 10 minutes, but if you can set goals, it helps you accomplish certain things. So even if you're not making the money you want, you know that you're at least putting your efforts out there and that sometimes things just aren't working out. Another tip, take a short break. <laughs> you know, go backstage, drink some water, go to the bathroom and get back out there. I know I've been guilty of this and I've definitely seen other girls at the club who will, every time I go into the back room, they're back there. And there's definitely been times like that where I feel so overwhelmed um, that I just stay in the back. And th that's such a trap because it's so easy to stay back there, especially when you're feeling overcome with anxiety and it's this like safe little cave. But if you get into that space... Just go back, set new goals, refresh yourself, and then go back out there and try and achieve those goals. So these don't work all the time. I still deal with a lot of anxiety and I still have moments when I set goals, I go out and I don't accomplish any of them. Like that sense of overwhelming fear takes over and I completely flounder. There is a video by YouTuber Dancing with Bella where she gives tips for dancers and just her overall experience in the club. And she had a really interesting point where she said that every customer has a need that they are looking to be met. And that's why they go to the club, whether they realize it or not. And if you can find that need, then you can fill the need. And so it's less about worrying about whether the you're that customer's type or not. It's whether you can get in there and identify what their need is. Because some people are in there 
because they need to vent about their work and their life and their girlfriend. Some people are in there because they don't want to talk about their work and their life and their girlfriend. Some people are really sad and need a companion. Some people are just horny and want to watch you dance. So that was a helpful way for me to reframe it is instead, are they my kind of customer? It's more, how do I get in there and find out what they need and match that and, you know, take care of that need to the best of my abilities and show them like, oh, don't worry. Like, I totally get what you need and it's what I can provide for you. So I thought that was very helpful. I'm not always on top of my anxieties. These are definitely tips that I have used to help me. And there's a lot more tips out there that I have not incorporated yet that I would love to eventually incorporate. But it's one step at a time. Anxiety is can be a very crippling thing and it is a long-term thing. You don't just deal with it and then it is over. But I have always found power in challenging my anxieties rather than succumbing to them and the club definitely pushes my anxieties to its limit so sometimes it is too overwhelming and sometimes it is too much and um, that's where the challenge comes in because I do want to be there and I feel amazing when I accomplish things in the club when I you know am really busy getting lots of dances you know making money feeling positive about myself but also finding positivity in the nights when that's not happening, when I'm not making money, when I'm there aren't very many customers, when, you know, maybe somebody's shitty to you or they're saying mean things. It's hard to sometimes find that balance, but the overall experience, I think, has helped me grow so much. I am way, I mean... <laughs> My comfort in my body, but before I started, is completely different. I'm so comfortable in my own sexuality and in my own skin. I don't have the same anxiety that I did, you know, when I was a lot younger. And just the thought of somebody even looking at me would send me into like a spiral of panic. Um, But also my ability just to interact with people to handle a lot of varied situations very calmly and just challenging myself overall. When I walk out with from a successful night, I feel amazing. But there's also times where it could be a successful night where my anxiety is too overwhelming and I crumble under the pressure. I wanted to preface this idea before I get back into dancing, before I get back into that world as kind of a marker of where I am now. And as I continue my journey, I'll do updates. I would love to hear from you guys if you have tips or I would love to hear about your own challenges of overcoming or just dealing with anxiety in the sex work industry, in stripping, in webcamming, porn performing, any category. I think overall, anxiety, especially social anxiety, comes from the fear of rejection and the fear of doing things wrong and being called out or being looked down upon. And any tips are, I think, will will apply across the board and would be helpful. So 
I think that's probably all. Thank you so much for tuning in to my little episode about anxiety and me. I think that dance is the ultimate challenge (laughs) for me to challenge my 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 issues and my panic that I have and I am so thankful for how it has pushed me to grow into a stronger person where I can tell people no where I can tell people yes where I can set my limits and my goals and my boundaries I can talk to groups and that's not to say that I don't still get shaky in large public situations I still shake sometimes when I get up on stage for the first time of the night. I still shake if I'm outside of my dancer persona and I have to deal with large groups. My dancer persona has definitely helped create a person that can handle those environments a lot better than my non-dancer persona. And transferring that has also been a process over the last couple of years. How can I get that strength that I have in the club into my everyday life, which is, which is another, which is a whole nother journey that I have. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you would like to follow us, you can find us at Babes of Valhalla on Instagram and to send us any juicy anecdotes Um, comments, concerns, stories of your anxiety, tips for getting through it, or just downfalls and pitfalls of having social anxiety in the strip club or in any sort of sex work, please let us know at babesofvalhalla at gmail.com. Please like us and love us on any podcast platform. We're always so thankful for your listens, your views, and any reviews that we get. And until next time, calm down and stay nasty. Babes of Valhalla is written and produced by the Babes of Valhalla, otherwise known as your illustrious lieges, Darby and Charlie. Music provided by the musical genius, Gemini Genesis.